0: So when we look at Isaiah, formerly known as Jeremiah, we see that, that Isaiah was a man who, who obviously was in, in favor with God, but at the moment he came in, in view of and was able to see in the, in the inner temple, he saw God and he saw all those, that, those things that were happening around him with the seraphim, he was in awe. He was immediately struck with who he was as a man, which is fallen, broken, and unworthy. But the seraphim come to him, came to him with, with a coal that they had taken from the altar and touched it to his lips, and he became clean at that moment. And then Isaiah hears God say, who will go to these people on our behalf? And Isaiah, knowing who he was, knowing how little he had to offer himself, knowing that it would only be done through the strength of another, could he accomplish that. But his immediate response was, here am I, send me. Now I wanna fast forward with you some 2700 years later to the year 2005. Connie and I are sitting in a a small group session on a Sunday evening, and we're finishing up, and there's this young lady named Jen Wright. We're blessed to have her here this morning. Jen, I love you. Jen started telling us about a trip that she had just taken to Honduras. And as she spoke, and as she told us about the things that she was involved in, the things that that she experienced, Uh, the things that they did, the impact that that had on her, and the emotion, and the passion that she told us that story, just grabbed me. It grabbed me in a place that I'd never been grabbed before in my heart. And at the end of, of Jen telling us about this trip, I remember immediately my thought was, I'll go. Because Jen had asked us, she said, I'm getting ready to put a trip together. Are any of you interested or willing to go with me? Yeah, I'm in. Connie was, I, I leaned over to Connie and I said, I gotta go, I gotta see what this is all about. And let me tell you, this, this part here is for free. This is just some free marital advice or, or spousal advice here. If you are feeling a call, or if your spouse or significant other is feeling a call and they come to you and they say, hey, this is what I'm, I'm really feeling led to do. This is where I'm feeling led to be. Whether it's in a foreign country, whether it's across the state, whether it's across town, your job is not to be a block to that. Your job is to be a supporter of your loved one that is feeling a call, a tug on their heart from God to serve him and to answer that call by saying, here my, I, send me. Fortunately, I had that in Connie. She had her normal questions of, of you know, what's the, what's the safety issues like in Honduras? And I had started having some health issues. And and so she was concerned that, you know, hey, if you, if you have an issue there, what kind of medical treatment is going to be available and, and what will happen with that. But never once did she say, I'm dead set against this. I wish you wouldn't go. She supported me 110% the entire time. That is the role of, of a spouse or significant other married to someone that is answering this call. I got to tell you, in the planning and in the months leading up to to taking that first trip and even getting over to Honduras, the thought kept going through my mind, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to bless these people. We're going to build a house and it's going to be a a beautiful house. We're going to pass out food and they're going to eat like they've never eaten before. I'm gonna pray with, with people and, and kids and I'm gonna visit with them and play with them and they're, going to be, they're just gonna be blessed by my presence. Well, I was wrong. I was the one that was blessed. I'm not sure, and I've been back five, six times now. We've taken, and Connie has gone with me, the girls have gone with us. Um, I'm not sure that I have ever blessed in Honduras to the level that I've been blessed. See, I think God knew who I was at that time and what I needed at that time. And it just so happened that Honduras was where he wanted to teach me these lessons. You see, I never knew what prayer was all about. Thought I did. But when we got over to Honduras, and and this has been the case almost every year we've gone, we go over and we build houses for people throughout the week as part of the projects that we do. And when I say houses, I'm talking a 14 by 16 lap board building that has four walls and a door and one window that we cut in with a chainsaw. You you could buy a nicer shed at Lowe's uh, in all all honesty, but these are mansions to the people in Honduras who live in uh, lean-tos put together by um, scrap lumber, scrap metal, plastic, whatever they can find on the street or floating down the river uh, to, to give them a little bit of shelter. But I never knew what prayer was until we, went to, until we went to a certain property outside of the dump, the city dump. And I've and I got to tell you, if, if you've ever been to the dump out on Dry, Run, or Dry Ridge Road, and you've smelled that smell out there, and you think, man, I'm glad I don't live out in this area, let me tell you something. That's like sitting next to a potpourri plug-in compared to what you would experience by going into the city dump of Tegucigalpa, which by the way is home to a hundred or more people who live inside the dump in plastic lean-tos because every day when the trash trucks come in, they literally fight buzzards the size of turkeys for food scraps, for plastic, and things that they can turn in for money. But we show up at this, at this house site, and there's an elderly woman there, and, and when we pull up, she hits her knees and begins to cry. And My first thought is, what have we done wrong? Did we come on the wrong day, or you know, what, what's happening here? Through conversation with her and a translator, what we learn is she'd been praying for 12 years for a team to come and build her house. People, I'm here to tell you, I don't know what prayer is. I pray for something for 12 minutes, and I think, well, it's not going to happen, and I give up. This lady had prayed for 12 years. And her her comment was, today, God is answering my prayer. And she was praising God for that answer. I never knew what faith was until I went to Honduras. And I learned faith through visits to a couple of the orphanages, as well as Hospital Escuela, which is a children's hospital there. And when we went into Hospital Escuela, and it was something that we, we did on every trip that I went on, uh, it's, just, it's one of those places that just tugs at your heart, it rips your heart apart, tears your stomach out, tosses it on the ground and stomps on it, but it pulls at your heart and you have to go back. That hospital is filled with kids, some in the burn unit, some in the, in the cancer ward. The ones in the, in the burn unit, you go in and you play with them, you give them little toys, crayons, coloring books, paint their fingernails, and you talk to their mothers. And you find out that the reason they have third degree burns over 75% of their body is because the mom had remarried and the father didn't want to have to work extra hours to feed a child that was not his. So he set the child on fire in hopes that it would either die and he wouldn't have to feed it, or it would run away and never be seen again. And yet this is a mother that's sitting beside her child, praying every day hoping for that child to be healed, knowing that the only hope that child has is a faithful God. And that faith is not shaken by the mother that you're talking to. There's children in that hospital who have broken bones, either through similar circumstances or because they're crossing the street to, to get a ball that they saw rolling, rolling down the street or... Uh, whatever it might be, they get hit by a vehicle and they have some broken bones and these kids are sitting in this hospital waiting for mom and dad to earn enough money to come back and pay the hospital for the, for the, the care that they need, the surgery that they need, because the hospital won't do it until it's paid in full. And yet these, these parents are sitting there spending the entire time in that hospital with their kids, hoping and praying that that money comes in, that they're able to get that child healed. But your faith is still strong. They still praise God, they still thank God. In the midst of what they're suffering with, their faith is strong. Over the years, more and more lessons like this have, have come to me as a result of, of being in Honduras. I am not good, I'm not perfect, I'm not worthy. I try and work on these things that I've learned over the years. But what I do want to do today is share with you. And I want you to understand that this isn't, this isn't about me, this is about God's call. And that's why I wanted to share these, these things with you. One of the scriptures that has become one of the the main mantras of of those trips, if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 25, then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world, And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So what I want to do is kind of share from the lessons that I learned over faith and prayer and, and answering God's call. One of the things that we always hear is, well, that's a foreign land. Yeah, I'm glad you were able to do that, but that's just not for me. You know, there's plenty of work here to be done. Okay, go do it. Answer that call. And even if it's not for you to go to foreign lands, I understand that. Let me ask you a question. And I asked Tony this this morning. So far, he hasn't, he hasn't given me a scripture yet. And Brett, if you can think of one, I'd appreciate it. I, I've been through the Bible. And while I haven't specifically looked for this, I have yet to find any scripture where God says, tell you what, let's sit down and do a DSM-3 personality profile and some psychological testing and let's see what you are fit to do in my kingdom, and then I'll find a task for you that fits your personality profile. God says, go. Go be my hands and feet. That's our personality profile. If we believe in Christ our Savior, if we believe in God as the creator and sustainer of this universe, then we believe that he has called us all into his service. So if you hear him say, who will go for us, your answer should be, hear my, send me. There There are so many different opportunities that we have that, that don't necessarily involve going to a foreign land. They don't even involve going across country or across the state. They may. Uh, if, you're, if you're hit with, with an opportunity like that, I encourage you to do it. Uh, you, you'll be shocked at the things you'll learn about yourself in that process and the growth that you will have as a result of that. But in everyday life, there are so many different ways that we can answer that call of hear my send me. It may be family, maybe friends, maybe neighbors. It may be coworkers. It may be people that you run into in the grocery store that's in the line in front of you. And God will put you in those places and give you those opportunities for people that need to know who he is that may know who he is, but need someone to reach out to them and let them know, I'm here with you. To hear God saying, it's okay, give it to me. Some of those may look like a friend or a neighbor or coworker who is looking for something bigger than themselves. They may know who God is, but they don't know God. And you have the opportunity to introduce to them who our God is. Don't miss those opportunities. That may be the one chance they had to see through you who our God is. It may be somebody that is going through a major storm in life. And I used to be a really good Christian because people would come up to me and and. Talk to me about a storm that they were going through in life, a spouse dealing with cancer, or a child that's going through a rough time, sickness in the family, a death in the family. And I was always, always a good Christian, and I would say, I'll pray for you. And I'd walk away, and sometimes I would, and sometimes I wouldn't. What I've learned over the years is. That's an immediate need. If someone is going to bear their soul to me to tell me of a problem that they're going through, of a struggle that they have in their life, I don't want to tell them I will pray with them or pray for them. I stop and I pray with them. They're obviously in a moment where they need that or they wouldn't have entrusted it to me. We're all put in these circumstances and situations. My prayer is that we become a church that recognizes those opportunities, recognizes those uh, people who have been put in front of us that have needs that only our savior can take care of. Never convince yourself that you're not capable of being the person someone needs you to be in that moment, or that you won't know what to say. Let me ask you a question. Do we really believe that we would step out in Jesus' name on God's behalf and he would allow that to fail? If he's counting on us to be his hands and his feet, Do you not believe that God will be in control of that circumstance and that situation? I do, and I'm living proof of it, because I am not a preacher. I'm not even a good talker, and I can tell you that over the years of doing little things like this or communion thoughts, I've found one thing to be pretty true especially with the communion thoughts. I'll spend a couple of weeks getting things ready, thinking about what I have to say. And I'll have it down pat. I'll have it locked into memory. And I'll think, man, that's going to be good. That's going to make people think about the cross and and what was done on the cross. And and, that's going to be a good communion service right there. I'm telling you, it never fails. I'll sit up here on the front row getting ready to go, and five minutes before it's time for me to get up there, blank. I can't remember a word of what I had prepared. But I get up here, something comes out, and that's not me. That has nothing to do with me. That is God putting his word out there. God will not allow us to fail if we step out in his name. And I want to tell you this, too. If you step out in God's name because you're, you're feeling the call, understand, one, God's going to gonna be faithful. God's going to allow that to happen the way he wants it to happen. If that person rejects the message, that's not a failure that's still a success because you answered the call of here am I, send me. You've stepped out in faith of our Father. What that person decides to do as far as accepting or rejecting God and a relationship with Him, that's between that person and our Creator. By the same token, if they accept it, That's not a success on your part. It's not about us. It's about him and his authority and his power. It's our job to answer the call, to spread his word. He makes the increase in the church. I just want to end this morning with, with saying that there, there are so many times over the years and I can look back now and I think you know now I can see that that opportunity was an opportunity God put before me and I totally blew it I missed it I didn't see it I didn't take advantage of it I still miss those opportunities. I still don't see everything because sometimes I have Mark blinders on and I see what Mark wants to see and not what God wants me to see. My prayer for this church is that we are a church that recognizes those opportunities, that sees the people God puts before us, and that we don't say, okay, I think somebody will probably help them out on that and that'll be good. But we're a church that says, hear my, send me. Whether it's a need they have that you can fulfill, coordinate it. There's plenty of people in this congregation that can do all number of things. Be the person that makes the phone call and makes that happen. Be the person that sits down with the person in need and pray with them right then. Don't promise a prayer. Pray with them. Fill the need. Be the hands and feet of Jesus in this community.